I'm George Kaler, TeaWithGeorge.com, and today's session of Get Real is with Professor Steve Butney and Attorney Diane Gruber, and today we're going to follow up on last, last week's discussion on the illegal immigration problem, just disastrous Supreme Court decision, non-constitutional, and they know it, uh, decision they made. This is going to be brought to you today by Social Security Advisors. Your biggest decision in retirement, how do you accept your Social Security payments? It can mean a million dollars in difference between you and your spouse. Give us a call, 434-455-7197. I'll start with Professor Steve Putney here. You know more about the Constitution than maybe anybody else. Tell us why the Supreme Court decision was wrong. And by the way, a friend of mine uh, asked me, well, what does the professor think of the Supreme Court ruling? And I said he thinks it was in error. He said, well, what makes him think that he knows more about the Constitution than the Supreme Court? I said, well, (laughs) it's not that he knows more. He would have judged in favor of the Constitution. And everybody on the Supreme Court knew what the Constitution says, and five of them went against what the actual Constitution says. So, Steve, would you take it first? Thank you, George. Well, if I can give just a little bit of background. A little bit. I have a tendency to give too much, and I apologize for that. But a historical setting is important to understand the provisions of the Constitution that address this issue. When these original 13 colonies were colonies, they were granted the right to defend themselves against an aggressor. There was no way that you'd have British regulars occupying forts, on the frontier of each of the 13 colonies. The colonies were responsible for their own defense. When they declared independence from Great Britain and King George, what they had, and they were 13 sovereign states, what they had by right of grant, they now had a sovereign right to. And that right included both offensive and defensive action to protect the integrity of their domain. You know, the word freedom comes from the word land, dumb, of freedom for dominion or land. All right. Now, when they voluntarily joined the Union, either in 88, 89, or as late as 91 with Rhode Island, the way the Constitution was written, the state's voluntarily gave the offensive component of protecting their domain to the new national government, or what they called the general government. But they retained the right of defense, self-defense, what's called reserved state powers. You can read that in, in the Ninth and Tenth Amendments uh, of the Bill of Rights. In Article... Section 4 of the Constitution, called the Guarantee Clause, the national government or general government, unfortunately today we call it the federal government, so I hope our audience can understand when I use the word national what I'm referring to. According to Article 4, Section 4 in the Guarantee Clause, the national government 
the second of those three guarantees was protection against invasion. When the national government fails, and it certainly has, to defend the border of not only Texas, but today with the transportation systems we have, every state is a border state. So the national government has defrauded all 48 of the um, continental states. We have to revert back to Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. And without reading it, our listening audience, if they can get a copy of the Constitution, they can read that for themselves. But it has in there, in, in, that, in Clause 3, that states can defend themselves if they're invaded. Now, there are five ways to interpret the Constitution, five model, interpretive models, we'll say. One is textualism. You can read the words. And that works for quite a bit of the Constitution, but not for everything, because words change meaning over time. The second means of, the second interpretive model is originalism, and there are various components of that. But as textualism is adherence to the words, originalism is is adherence to the historical context of the language, of the words. And then the third way to interpret the Constitution is based on higher law. Give an example of that. And higher law comes from, Jefferson talked about it in the Declaration in the first paragraph when he talked about the laws of nature, nature's God. You have the right to defend yourself, George. That's a natural right. And just as you have that as a natural right, so states have a natural right to defend the integrity of their domain, of their state. But the, but, but the national government has failed to do its part so the states can on their own. There are two other ways to inter- interpret the Constitution, and I think this is where what the Supreme Court did last week comes into play. The two other interpretive models are one is called, I call it judicial fiat. Typically, it's called judicial precedent or precedence, and that what is established case law is the foundation of a precedent, and then subsequent rulings have to conform with that. Let the law stand. There's a a Latin term for that, but be that as it may. Well, I think the court has either, by judicial fiat, said Texas can't defend itself, or the other interpretive model is looking at matters politically, looking at matters economically, or socially, and that's typically called sociological jurisprudence. Now, where one stops and the other begins, I don't know, but that's where the court's ruling falls. One thing we don't know is why those five ruled as they did, because there's no written opinion, my understanding, that has been issued, at least at this point. Well, Sotomayor stated when she got on the Supreme Court, feeling should be involved from the Supreme Court judges, the Constitution isn't necessarily what they're what they're going to rule on, but how the judge individually feels about the situation, and it appears that Sotomayor won the day for five of the Supreme Court judges. How do they feel? And who were the five? Four women. No offense to women. Now, please don't misunderstand me. And then John Roberts. But the biggest disappointment is Coney Barrett, 
one would think she would stand more on principle and a proper interpretation rather than judicial fiat or sociological, interp- uh, sociological jurisprudence. It's, it's baffling to me. But it's created a constitutional crisis because what, is te- what has been the response of Texas in the last 24 hours or so? Well, they're going to defend themselves anyway. And they ha- certainly have a right to do that. Uh, this could get into a shooting war. I'm going to s- switch here. Thanks for the wonderful explanation of the, of the Constitution of what actually happened here. Uh, Diane, Attorney Diane Gruber, you mentioned yesterday in your substack about American Airlines and is it United Airlines are actually providing— Delta. Okay. Talk to us about just how far this has gone— in welcoming uh, the invaders coming into America. Well, they're flying them all over the United States. That's that's for sure. And I would like to read something about an article I wrote last May. Please do. That gives, gives a little better context instead of me just babbling on here. Quote, just hours before Title 42 expired, six vans were spotted at the Holiday Inn Express in Nashville, Tennessee, 1,100 miles from the open border on May 11th. Each van was driven by a black American, and each van was full It was full with 15 passengers who appeared to be Chinese, Hispanic, and Filipino, all men appearing to be between ages 20 and 35. Each passenger had the white Visa debit card written in Spanish, which I showed on, on, on my, my article, with which they paid for their rooms. There was an overwhelming smell of pot emanating from both the vans and the men. Uh, and the men. Did American taxpayers pay for the pot too? Now, I want to tell you something. This is my sister-in-law. She was at that motel. This is directly from her, an American citizen who just happened to stumble upon this. And she was in the lobby at the time these men checked in. She kind of kept her eyeball on it. She took pictures of the vans, very nice vans. Okay, uh, one more paragraph here. Each van had North Carolina plates. And they the last time she saw them, they were driving east on I-40 uh, the next day with the same men in driving, but no passengers. So apparently these men had been, you know, dropped off there in Nashville. We don't know whether they caught a plane somewhere else or if that was their final destination. So 90 illegals, all expenses paid by the American taxpayer, apparently drove from the open border, aided and abetted by our quote-unquote public servants whom Americans pay. Uh, They went through Nashville to their final destination where local residents will be displaced to accommodate uh, Biden's future voters. This is literally happening throughout the, all of the United States. And this was last May. Yeah. And then uh, uh, my article you, you referenced from yesterday was um, Tom Holman, who used to be the director of ICE under, under um, Trump. And then later he w- was brought into the White House and was the, the immigration czar or border czar, whatever. He has a top clearance, top security clearance still even though he's not working for the federal government right now, he has a top security clearance. He's in Miami uh, catching a plane to um, uh, New York, and he had to go through all the TSA you know, business that all the rest of us have to do, and he watched as illegals walked right around the uh, TSA line and 
completely unvetted entirely. All they had to do was show their arrest documents from the federal government that, you know, that, that Biden's uh, border patrol gives them down at the border, their arrest uh, paperwork, and they went right on. He had to have his picture taken, but they didn't. They could have their picture taken if they wanted to, but they could refuse. They were allowed on the planes. I mean, this could there be a more stark example of the dangers that were involved here? These men, oh, these people are all unvetted. And how Americans are being treated compared to illegals? I mean, this encapsulates, my article is very short, as you know, but this just says it all. This encapsulates what's what the Biden regime is doing to us. You know, Diane, I've been asked by people, why are you against, against immigration? Actually, I'm not. At the moment, no. uh, there's a family. Uh, they're from Pakistan, and they're Christians. Mother was a school teacher. Father was a mechanic, the, and their young son. And uh, their house was burnt by angry Muslims because they're Christians. If you're a Christian, you are uh, guilty of what's called the blasphemy law in Pakistan, and your lives could be forfeit. Oh. And so uh, her arms were broken. And they were able to escape into Nepal. That's where I met them seven years ago. And I've been trying to help them get out of Nepal and into America. And a church in Canada uh, supplied the money. They said, we want them in, uh, in our area in Canada. Well, Justin Trudeau put the kibosh on that. He said, no, no Christians. We're, we're going to take Muslims from Pakistan, but not Christians. So... I started working with our local congressman, Bob Good, in getting them into America. And finally, visas uh, have been offered. Well, now Nepal says that they overstayed their visa in Nepal as refugees, and they each owe $8 a day for the last seven years. That comes to $45,000. They're hostages. Them. They're yeah. hostages for, for ransom. Yeah, they are. And often third world countries do that. That's how they, they make money. They make money off their poor, right. and that's how they do it from richer nations. So to show how much I'm in favor of legal immigration of people who will actually add to the strength and, and nobility of America, I laid down $1,000 yesterday to prime the pump on that GoFundMe fund. I don't know how we're going to raise $45,000, but we'll see. But they are legal immigrants. Yeah. It's well, they're kicking so the Biden administration is kicking um, uh, legal immigrants out of the country. They just uh, deported um, a German family of seven children, two of whom were, were born here. They just they not. just deported them. They were Christians and from Germany, and they canceled whatever paperwork they had. I I forget what it's called, and they they deported them. They, they were just a wonderful family. They hadn't broken any laws. They were on the precipice of becoming uh, naturalized and so forth. And there, they had children who were American children born here. No, they're, I think they're gone by now. I mean, they were, they were told to leave in September. That was unjust. Steve, what, what about that? I see this, I see this as a two-phase war, and we're in phase one right now. It's the United States government is at war against the people of the United States. Yes. At some point, 
and I don't know what that flesh point will be. These, and I've heard a number of people talk about various groups that have come into the United States crossing the border that may potentially be terrorist cells, sleeper cells, if you will, that are embedding themselves in American culture. At some point, they'll be called to act, and that will be phase two. At what point are we going to resist? Two things come to my mind. One is the doctrine of lesser magistrates. That's when officials defy immoral, unconstitutional orders of a higher authority. Constitutional um, sheriffs would be one of those, wouldn't they? I would certainly, yes. Sheriffs yeah. especially because they're the constitutionally elected. They're not appointed. They're, they're not appointed by the, the, the mayor or whatever. They're elected. Yeah, they're, yeah. Go on, Steve. Well, and the other, to, to support the idea or the, or the, I think, fact that there are not only potential but sleeper cells in the United States, there was a Middle East invader. I'm reading this that I read online. It says, he said, quote, if you are smart enough, you'd know who I am. Soon you will know who I am. Believe me, you will see, close quote. Now, this source that I'm reading from says they have since discovered this man's identity. And it gives oh. his name, which I could not, I cannot pronounce. But he's the chairman of the Azerbaijan Islamic Party. And he simply walked across the border into the United States. Hmm. I saw that clip. He didn't just walk across. He strutted across in arrogance. You can't touch me was his attitude. And someday you will know my name. So. There was a, you know, after 9-11, I saw an article from uh, an Islamic group. And they said, we use America's freedom as our weapon to destroy America, America's freedom. And so he yeah. strutted across because he saw that he had freedom. Now, we're talking about dangers such as uh, sabotage and even uh, an event like 9-11 or Oklahoma City bombing, which, by the way, was Islamic terrorism. We'll get into that another day. But both of those uh, guys, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols, they were both Islamists. They had been radicalized in the uh, Philippines. And that's they were uh, financed by Islamists to do the Oklahoma City bombing. A lot of people don't know that. But when I lived in Germany, I was helping a refugee family that was in, they were in Heidelberg, where I lived. And I said, how did you get here from Sri Lanka? They said, well, a man from the Soviet Union approached me, asked if I would like to go to a place where they would have to care for me, give me food, a nice apartment, and I wouldn't even have to work. They would give me whatever I needed. And so they flew me to East Berlin, pointed at the gate, and I walked through. Well, under status of forces agreement at the time, Germany had to accept all refugees coming in. What we found out was that was part of the Cold War to destroy the German economy. The Soviet Union wanted to bring down the German economy. And it appears the Cold War is still going on. And it's not necessarily the Soviet Union that wants to destroy our economy, but you can see just from those flights, somebody's paying for those. Somebody is paying for the Chinese to fly into Mexico. They didn't swim. <laughs> they got here. <laughs> they got here on an airplane. <laughs> who, no. who paid for the airplane? 
Uh, who's paying for all the – you see they're arriving at the border with new cell phones and neatly dressed. They didn't walk a 1,000 miles through the wilderness to get there. They weren't – this wasn't like in Exodus, you know, the Jews, you know, traveling 40, 40 years to get to the promised land. No, they, they were brought in. Who's financing that and why? Any ideas, Steve? Yes. It's coming from the United Nations through American contributions – is coming from NGOs of the United States through American tax dollars given to them yeah. by the United States government. Name any? Diane just gave one, Red Cross, um, Catholic Charities. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the name of the Lutheran charity organization. but Doctors the, Without Borders. There you go. There's another one. There's a list probably as long as your arm of American tax dollars that are being used by American NGOs to destroy America. It doesn't make any logical sense. It does if you're an enemy of America. Diane, you live way out there on the West Coast, but you're pretty remote. You're in, what, Washington State? Have illegals entered Washington State yet? That's that's pretty far north and (laughs) pretty far from Latin America. What's going on up there? Oh, heck yeah. According to the news, uh, our mayor Jay Inslee, who's a Democrat, of course, uh, he's been he's been shipping them in like crazy, and he and he's the only state so far uh, that he gives them a hundred percent medical care, Cadillac medical care. He had to get some type of a waiver under Obamacare to do that for them, and that was probably two years ago. That was early on in the in the Biden regime to ship them in. Now, that said, they are not coming to our tiny little peninsula community here. Will we see them in years to come? Perhaps, but right now, Biden's guests are not arriving here, so we don't have to deal directly with them. But I guess they're really causing havoc uh, in the Seattle area, and they're flying them up here from the border. Uh, we call it, uh, one of my uh, subscribers calls it the Coyote Airlines. Delta is the Coyote Airlines. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, Coyotes, uh, they're not just bringing in illegals, the cartels. They're bringing in fentanyl. They're bringing yes. in the yeah. children yeah. that are going to be trafficked. If you've seen the movie Sound of Freedom, it's a yeah. $16 billion industry. It's one of the largest industries on earth. If it were a company, it would be a major, major company. Sending in with the uh, illegals that are coming in, little children, they're going to be sold to sex perverts, well, and their lives will, well, of course, be. Year, well, last year, the, the Biden regime lost, quote unquote, lost 85,000 immigrant children, unaccompanied immigrant, immigrant children. According to whistleblowers, most of them are handed over to uh, traffickers, human traffickers, uh, sex traffickers, uh, MS 13, mm-hmm. and knowingly. I mean, this was not, these weren't heirs. They were knowingly turned over to people that were not their relatives instead of being sent back to their relatives. You know, they're going to be spending, their their lives are going to be miserable. When I practiced law, I, I had a case where, um, a divorce where the little girl, she wasn't even in school yet, wasn't old enough, but was being sexually abused by her father. Well, in the process of the divorce, uh, he, he and he was convicted. In the process of the divorce, the mother was required to have let the send the little girl to uh, counseling. You know, a special special counselor who deals in sex abuse of little kids. 
And one day, and just, uh, just, I mean, this is just disgusting, but just to give you a little flavor, of, they're robbed of their souls. Little kids that are, are continually sexually abused are robbed of their souls. They, uh, the counselor called me up one day shortly after the divorce was final. And she told me that this little girl was being reoffended against. She had reverted back to needing diapers. This is a key signal, a key, a key result, being abused when you're that little. Reverted back to diapers. And so she said to me, who's Dan? Somebody named Dan was molesting her. I knew who that was. But this is what happens to these little kids. I, I don't even know how they can. It, it, just, it just hurts. I cannot watch. I will not watch that movie. The Sound yeah. of Freedom. I, I, I've already heard enough about it. I can't. I couldn't sit through it. Well, it doesn't show any actual abuse. It shows the trafficking no. and uh, the hero rescuing yeah, a couple of the kids. Yeah. And it's it's pretty rough yeah. as it is. You know, Jesus said, it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and you cast into the sea rather than to corrupt one of these little ones. Honestly, I believe there's uh, the hottest rooms in hell are going to be reserved for the people who are trafficking and buying these children. And yet, Biden and his administration, well, we know he isn't in charge, but Obama and his administration is making all this possible. And also the fentanyl. I have two friends who lost children to fentanyl. 100,000 people a year dying from fentanyl that's coming in across the border with the illegals. We're going to have to wrap this up. By the way, I want to welcome American Christian Network wonderful people that have taken on our, our podcast, and they I guess they want their listeners to know about the Constitution, history, and current events, and God bless you all. We're really, we're really honored to be on American Christian Network. So let's wrap this up. We only have another minute. Steve, how are we going to go about stopping this illegal immigration? Well, it has to be stopped, or the nation, the nation will collapse. Throughout history, when a invading force takes over another country, it totally changes, and there's all kinds of chaos and disruption that occurs. I think of, of the Normandy, the Norman invasion of, of, of England in 1066. It even changed our language. I mean, we, there are a lot of French words in our language as well, but be that as it may. How do we stop it? I think, one, lesser magistrates, which I believe is what Texas is doing, have to interpose themselves between tyrannical higher authority and the needs of the people that the higher authority, as well as the local government, is responsible for. So I commend Texas for what they're doing, and other states need to join Texas. You know, elected Trump would be a good idea, too. He said he's going to put an end to this illegal immigration. He's also going to stop digitized currency. And that may be, might be great. Diane, just a quick minute. How would you stop this? Well, the short term is we have to get rid of Biden and, and we can't replace him with another Democrat because they will just continue the destruction. At this point, I see no other savior but Trump. He's an honest man. He will do what he says. And he says he's gonna, gonna close the border and deport the illegals that Biden, I call him Biden's guests and he's gonna stop the digital currency nightmare. I mean, these are the two key things that are destroying, that are designed to destroy our country and our freedoms, so. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Steve, and thank you to your our radio listening audience. Please go to tbwithgeorge.com, get real. And if you'd like 
one minute a day coming right to your email. Go to Tea with George and subscribe. No advertising, no selling of your email address. Just one minute a day of the best updates on what's going on that is going to affect your life. So thank you and good day.